You're there beside me every step of the way Calling me to return Believe in one day that I will learn That you're not like man that you would like No, you're full of faith You proved it when you And slip away You're there beside me Every step of the way Calling me To return Believe in one day That I will learn That you're not like man That you would not Know you're full of faith You proved it when you seated. You can go ahead and have a seat. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, my name is John Henderson. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Daybreak, and I have a little bit of a confession to make this morning. I was actually pretty, uh, pretty concerned and wondering if I was going to be the only one that showed up today. So this is pretty exciting that you guys are here. Did anybody show up at 9 o'clock accidentally? Okay, there are a few of you. I saw some people pulling out at 9 o'clock. I'm like, they don't look happy. I don't look too happy about that. But if you pulled in at 9 and you're back at 11, you guys are amazing. What a great way to start off, start off the year. Uh, I was talking with some friends last night. Uh, how many of you were at some sort of New Year's something or other last night with some friends or family? Okay. I was talking with some friends last night about the holiday season, and we were all kind of excited a little bit about the fact that the holiday season is sort of wrapping up. Uh, we've all been running like nonstop basically since Thanksgiving, and with, this, with you know, uh, except for a, a few odds and ends, things that are still going on, the holiday season is pretty much drawing to a close. And you can see in everybody's faces that we're all pretty much spent. Like we're pretty, we're pretty worn out, we're pretty tired. And I'm guessing, based on the expressions on some of your faces, that that's true for many of you in this room as well, that you're kind of at the point where you just feel sort of... <sighs> Am I right? Can anybody relate to that, feeling a little bit like that this morning? Well, my prayer for us this morning is that we'd be able to take the opportunity today to slow down a little, that we'd be able to take a deep breath together. So I want to do that right now. Would you take a deep breath with me? Great. There's so much good, so much excitement, so much to celebrate 
around the Christmas season, but it can be exhausting. Like most of you, Mel and I, my wife Mel, who was just up here earlier, uh, we have had a crazy past few weeks. We had the opportunity to visit both sides of our families. We had a bunch of parties that we went to, and we also moved in the last couple of weeks. And if you ever get an opportunity to move during the Christmas season, pass on that opportunity. It is not the smartest thing that we've ever done. It's not as fun as it sounds. And so earlier this week, we, we had returned from my parents. We got back, back home, and it was the first time in probably a good month or so where we were able to just take a deep breath, sit down together, and just sort of be still for a few moments. And it was like there was some sense of quiet. We didn't have to accomplish something else. We didn't have to search for one more gift for somebody. There wasn't somebody else that we had we felt obligated to go see during this time of the year or anything like that. All of those things were sort of finished. We got to the place where we could just pause and be still. And there's something that happens when you, when you finally get that opportunity, when you take a few moments to pause, to rest, and to just be still. It gives us an opportunity to be alone with our thoughts, to reflect a little bit, to, to maybe hear things that God might be trying to say to us that, that we were just maybe tuning out or couldn't hear before because of the busyness. And those times of reflection can be both great and exciting, but they can also be a little bit disturbing. <laughs> they can be a little bit scary when you, when you sit and you, and you are silent for a few moments. So Mel and I were sitting there together, and we were both at that, that stage, and we started to flip through an old photo album that was out because we had been moving, and when you move, uh, you know, you got to find new places for things, and we found some photo albums that we hadn't looked at in, a, in quite a while, and we started to flip through the old photo album and, and looking for some, some pictures, and it had been quite a while since I flipped through photo albums. I don't, I don't, I don't do that very often, uh, but, it, but I had the opportunity to do that, and as I was doing it, I, there were some things that sort of surprised me. Um, I, I don't know when the last time was that you flipped through a photo album, but I was caught off guard by some of the different feelings that were just, just coming to the surface as I was flipping through these photos. There were feelings of surprise, things like, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about when that happened, or I haven't talked to that person in such a long time. I really ought to reach out to see how they're doing. Maybe I'll get on Facebook later and, and, and talk to them or something like that. So there were things that I had sort of forgotten about that those pictures, those memories allowed me to remember. There were feelings of gratitude, things where I, I looked and I said, God, thank you so much. Thank you for that experience. I had forgotten about that. Thank you for that person who, who has been part of my life. Some people who are still part of my life, some people who, who are no longer part of my life, but thank you, God, for those opportunities. And then there was also a little bit of sadness, a little bit of sadness as I was flipping through the, the photo book as well. Sadness that just, it, just that some time had passed, like I'm not going to get that time back. It's, it's already passed. Or sadness over the circumstances of some other people in, in, in the photos, like my grandfather or grandmother who had passed away, that kind of thing. Just some sadness over some of the circumstances that were surrounding some of the people in the photos. And then just honestly some sadness over the fact that I'm just not that young. I'm not as young as I once was, which, by the way, I found to be very common. Most of the pictures you have are of you when you were younger. I don't know if you noticed that. It's, it's true. And so as I was sitting there, as we were sitting there flipping through the album, and I was taking a deep breath for the first time in a while, I was caught off guard by my own emotions. I was surprised at what those moments of reflection were causing to well up inside me, and it really felt like God was reminding me of some things and challenged me, challenging me in some new ways. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to invite all of us to go on a similar journey. After the craziness that's been the Christmas season, after the traveling, after the visiting everybody, after the cookies, and after the cookies, and the cookies, <laughs> to take a deep breath, reflect a little, and give God permission, give God permission to speak to you this morning as we look through what is a, really a family photo album of sorts. If you haven't gotten your outline out, I want to ask you to go ahead and pull that out. It'll help you as you follow along today. In the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians, he starts out by reminding them of the things that Jesus has done for them. He starts to, 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 to remind them, hey, don't forget, these, this is what Jesus 
has done for you. And he goes on about how Jesus made himself absolutely nothing, about how Jesus took the nature of a servant, about how he gave himself up, and about how he went to the cross. And then Paul challenges them by saying, and here's now, here's what you are to do. Here's, here's my challenge to you. Here's what I want you to do. And this is what he says. He says, go out into the world uncorrupted, be a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message, or as another, uh, another translation says, shine like stars into the night, so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof. Would you underline that? You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. Paul is challenging them to shine like stars, to take the light-giving message of Jesus, and to look for opportunities to prove with their lives, to prove with their lives that Jesus has changed, him, changed them, that, he, that, that they are following him. And flipping through photo albums, taking deep breaths, reflecting on our lives, gives us an opportunity to see the ways that God has been at work in us. It gives us a chance to see the ways that our lives are living proof of what it is that God is doing and how Jesus has has changed us and is also continually changing us. And as Mel mentioned earlier, this, this, um, this morning's message is going to be a bit different. Uh, for the next 20 to 30 minutes or so, we're going to be looking at a photo album of sorts of the Daybreak family. And we're going to take a look back at some of the stories that Daybreakers have shared with us over the past year about how God has been changing them. And as, you're, as you can see, if you look in your outline, as you can see, we're going to look at how our stories can be living proof of how God restores relationships about how God renews hearts, and about how God's plan is best. And in the middle of these stories, of these videos, we're going to be singing some songs, and we're going to be listening to some scripture together. And as you listen to the stories today, I want to encourage you to go beyond simply just being thankful that God did something in the lives of somebody else. Go beyond that, that point. Go beyond just listening say, and saying, oh, that's so great for them. I'm so glad that that happened to them. I want you to listen to their stories, and while you're doing that, invite God to speak to you about your own. Invite God to speak to you about your own life. Reflect on your own life and listen to what he wants to say to you about what's going on. And maybe you'll hear someone's story, and it will remind you of something that God has been doing in your life, and you're going to want to say thank you to him today. Or maybe you'll hear a story and you'll say something like, God, would you do that in me? I want you to do something like that in my life. And so maybe this morning will be a chance for you to cry out to him in that way. Give yourself permission this morning to reflect on your own life and invite God to speak to you because I believe that that's what he wants you to do. That's why he has you here today. So let me pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And it's been another busy holiday season, and we confess that we need you today. We need to hear your voice. We need to be challenged by you. We need to be reminded that you love us, and we need to be reminded that you offer us a fresh start again. We thank you, and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember being in second grade and standing on the school playground and asking Jesus into my heart. I don't recall anymore what it was that prompted that decision or why I chose the school playground, but that image is still clear in my mind to this day. My name is Melody Patrick, and this is the story of what Jesus has done in my life. In October of 1984, 26 years ago, my world was shattered. It was shortly before my wedding and ongoing deceit in my father's life resulted in the end of my parents' marriage. I was left brokenhearted and in a state of shock. Our family had problems, but I thought they were just normal ones. As this illusion began to unravel, I was left with a painful reality. In response to this, my then fiance, Dana, and I changed the date of our wedding from December to November 
we changed the location to further from home and we slashed our guest list. I did not want my dad to come. The father I had known had been a lie. Eventually I began to wonder if the God I had known was also a lie. The years that followed left me with uh, an emptiness that I could not fill. My husband Dana, my beautiful daughters Harmony and Charity, the churches I attended, the ministries I was involved in, nothing could fill the void that was in my heart. I began to fill the void with hatred. It was a dark, consuming hatred. Truly believed that everything in my life would be better if my dad were dead. In August of 1998, my husband made a difficult but necessary decision. He told me that either I was going to have to leave the life that I was living, or he was going to take the girls and leave me. Once again, I found myself standing outside, this time in front of my own house, begging God, please, I will do anything. Just, I don't care how hard it is, just don't let me end up all alone, like my father. In that moment, Jesus took my hand and began to lead me on the long, painful, and beautiful journey of healing and restoration. He restored my relationship with my husband and my daughters. He restored my relationship with my father. And greatest of all, he restored my relationship with himself. About six months later, my then nine-year-old daughter, Charity, said these precious words to me that I will forever cherish. Mommy, Jesus has really made a change in you. Today, when I tell my story, people can hardly believe that I was ever that broken and bitter person. And I tell them, praise God, that's because I am an example of what Jesus can do with a life. That's my hope today, is that people would see Jesus in me and see what he has done for me, and that they would put their trust in him.
has been a rough road uh, from the start for me. My mom and birth father divorced uh, when I was only two years old. Uh, I met him again when I was five at a fair, and I introduced myself to him, and all he did was just walk away. Because my mom was alone and she needed help raising me, um, we, we moved in with her parents and uh, my grandfather, um, which at that time, growing up, my grandfather became like a dad to me. He helped me out with any projects and problems I had when my mom couldn't. I mean, such as how to become a man, uh, teach me how to play baseball, and help me out with the Boy Scouts. I mean, I really looked up to my grandfather. And my dream was that I could, I would become a great man just like him one day. For me, my problems began when I was five years old, um, when I lost my little brother Dallas Ray. Um, after my brother died, I can't recall my family and I go to church many times, if at all. For me, it was like a bad dream. Um, I still once in a while, it plays in my head and uh, not as often as it used to, but it still gets to me. Um, and for many years, I couldn't help but wonder why God would hurt our family so bad. Why, why would he take someone we love so much away from us? And for many years, I, I felt angry, betrayed, and lonely. I felt like God didn't give him a chance to live. I felt like he didn't give me a chance to be a big brother. And that maybe I wasn't good enough to be a big brother. When my mom met my stepdad, I was I was so happy that I had a dad in my life again. And I was also happy for my mom because she wasn't so lonely anymore. But at the same time, I was scared and I was I was nervous and I was I was like cautious around him. I was scared that he wouldn't like me because I wasn't his actual son. Him and I never really had problems, but for many years we didn't talk much because he was the quiet type who liked to watch sports. <laughs> I'm like my mom who was very outgoing and adventurous. So for me growing up, I still relied on my grandfather because we were a lot alike and enjoyed doing the same things together. But then the unexpected happened to me when I was 12 years old. My my grandfather decided he was no longer happy with his life and decided to leave my grandmother and the rest of his family to be with a, a different woman and her family. It seemed like he didn't care about us at all. I mean, for me it was like deja vu. I mean, I, I felt like that. I felt like I was five years old again. I felt like I lost someone very close to me and someone I always looked up to and someone I wanted to be and they were gone. After he left, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life or, or who I wanted to be anymore. To me, at that point, I wasn't sure if I was going to have someone to look up to, someone who was always going to be there for me like a real dad. A few years later, I lost, I lost my great-grandfather, who was another great man to me, when I was 14. I mean, at this point, I felt like my life had hit rock bottom. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine going any deeper, and for me, I didn't think there was any way out. <sighs> but finally this all changed when I was 17 because um, I met this really great teacher and uh, a really good student in that class who, was, who became like my best friends. They were such an encouragement, encouragement to me at school. and. Um, few times I was even fortunate enough to escape working in the wood shop uh, at school to actually just um, stop and pray and um, and they invited me to come check out Daybreak. For a while I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to attend but I finally worked up the courage to come out and, s and see what the church was like. I mean for the first year for like the first year and a half I attended Daybreak on and off it, it, it seemed like I was more focused on my life and my activities still than I was about finding God again. To me, it was like I was actually trying to push God out of my life now. And 
it was like I wasn't even, I was trying to forget all about him. Then one day, um, after listening to a sermon and singing, singing great songs of praise and um, talking about uh, taking those first steps um, to finding a great journey, I don't know. I mean, something changed in me that day. I just can't explain it. Something made me want to try harder. I wanted to be better. That day I felt something amazing. And it's something I just, I just can't describe it. All I know is I had no pain. I had no anger. Something I wanted to feel for the rest of my life. It was then I started to attend Daybreak on a regular basis. And I started to let God back into my heart. For me, I felt like every sermon was meant for me. That the message came straight from God and God wanted me to hear it. It seemed like every time I would sing a song, I couldn't help but find my hands into the air, praising to God. Every day after church, no matter how bad my week was, I was always happy. I always left there feeling no pain, no struggles, I had no worries. <laughs> it was something I always wanted to feel every day in that moment. That's why this past Easter, I decided to actually go ahead and take that leap of faith and uh, get baptized and be saved. I wanted my family and the world to know how I felt and that I forever choose to live the life that God has planned out for me, to believe in Him and that He was and He has a reason and a purpose for everything and that I must trust in Him. After I got baptized and I came out of that water, I felt more joy and happiness than I ever have before. If you would talk to my family, they would tell you that something has changed in me. Thanks to Daybreak, I have found God again and I have surrendered my life to Him. Thanks to God, I just don't get as angry anymore. I don't feel empty and alone. I now stop and think every day, what should I do for God and not, not what I should do for myself? I try not to worry about the little things that don't matter anymore. I find myself picking up the Bible more and more instead of always just watching the TV. I now pray, every day before I eat and sleep, I no longer ask myself, what am I going to do to make things better? I just bow my head and pray to God and ask Him what to do to make things better. I tell myself that God has a plan for me and that everything, everything will work out and that this is a great plan. Now I attend church every Sunday and I help with All Stars Ministry and help teach fourth graders along with my little brother, James Bretz. Because I want them to find what I have and help them understand what God is all about. I don't have everything figured out and I know my life is, isn't perfect and I still get upset sometimes and I still have problems just like anyone else does. But the big difference is that I no longer have a heavy weight on my shoulders and I don't feel like I'm carrying a heavy burden anymore. I put my faith and my life in God's hands and I trust in Him to make sure that everything works out. I also know that everything has a purpose. Even if, even if I don't, even if I don't know what that is, I know that God does. Because of my faith, I know that I am down a straighter path than I was before. I'm no longer putting my life at risk. I'm no longer putting anyone else's life at risk, but making stupid choices, making dumb decisions. I also find myself avoiding making some of my big past mistakes. I'm more at peace. <laughs> I'm happier than I ever was before. I am forever grateful for that and for the friends that God has given me to get through all these hard times, and for having Daybreak to help guide me and walk me through this journey.
Psalm chapter 51, verses 5 through 12. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen. My mom always had heart issues since she was young. She had a leak in her aortic valve the size of a pencil. In 1999, she had open heart surgery to replace it with a mechanical valve. She was then put on a blood thinner medication, which made several health complications. But by the grace of God, he gave her the strength to make it through them all. One night, I woke up to commotion outside my bedroom. I sat up to look out my window where I saw two ambulances parked in my driveway. I knew right away that they were here for her, but for some reason I, I felt very calm. I, I walked out of my room and suddenly that feeling changed. Her heart was failing and I felt helpless. As she was rushed to the hospital, my family and I circled to pray. I don't think I've ever seen my dad pray so intensely in my entire life. Once we arrived at the hospital, the doctor called us in. On October 11, 2004, my mom, Joanne Zwadi, was taken home to be with Jesus. I was only 16. The following week is pretty difficult to remember. But I do remember being afraid to be alone. I, don't, I didn't want to think about what happened. I didn't want to even try to understand why she was taken so early. My mom was the most loving, caring person, and she was such a spiritual leader to so many people. Why would she be taken from us? It wasn't fair. Suddenly, I couldn't help but be selfish. She would never see me off to prom. She would never see me graduate high school or college or any other part of my life. I was angry. It just wasn't fair. Why would God, the healer, the one who hears every prayer, let her die? I didn't talk about this to anyone. How could someone be so angry with an all-loving God? So instead of being honest, I simply put on the act that I was strong. I felt that I had to be the one holding up when my family was grieving. Eventually, I started to ignore reality. And I tried to move on to get back to happiness. I wanted normalcy again. I just didn't know how to process what had happened. However, it was at her funeral that everything became real. I saw her lying there and realized she wasn't coming back. This was life, and I had no control. I found that the love and support my family and I received was very overwhelming. There were over a thousand people that came to her funeral. I received hundreds of hugs and countless condolences, but I was amazed with how many people attended. But it wasn't until after the funeral when I learned the huge impact my mom had on so many people. I can't tell you how many people had come up to our family 
to tell us how the love my mom showed to them and how her living testimony had led them either to Christ or back to Christ. He made me realize that from the loss of one earthly life, lives were saved for eternity. As time passed, my anger started to subside, but my questions continued to build and just never seemed to ever be fully answered. He worked with me through family and friends and personal time to gradually work through the healing process to accept what had happened. But the questions remained. Why her? Why so early? She was doing God's work on earth. Why would he cut her so short? It didn't make sense. But God began to work on my heart. He didn't give me all the answers right away, and I will probably never fully understand on this earth. But instead, he taught me to trust him and, and to know that above all, his plan is far greater than my own understanding. He opened up the perspective that our time on earth is so minuscule compared to the time that we will spend in eternity with him. And I know I have the hope and knowledge that I'll be with my mom again in God's kingdom, along with all of those her living testimony has touched. And that gives me unexplainable joy.
My husband Jeff and I moved to the area about four and a half years ago and we were invited to Daybreak by our neighbors and we've been part of the Daybreak family ever since. In fact, even growing up as a child, I've always been a part of a church family. I was involved in every program that they offered. I went to every child and youth activity that I could possibly get my hands on. Even as a young child, I've always tried to give the right answers, to do the right things, to do what was expected of me, to follow all the rules, and to be, well, perfect. I wanted to show the world what I wanted them to see. I wanted to show them a picture of a neatly packaged little perfect life, and honestly, I believed it myself most of the time. When I graduated from college and I married my high school sweetheart, I thought that although marriage was hard for everybody else, that it was easy for us because we had just gotten it right. Did I really need God? I would have said yes, but in my heart, I figured that God just allowed me to have control over my life because I was doing a pretty good job of it, or so I thought. A little over two years ago, some very difficult uh, times led to a, a crisis in my marriage. Uh, there were many painful conversations, lots of tears, and I was left feeling mentally and physically exhausted, lonely, scared, and very overwhelmed at what felt like a tornado that had just destroyed my family. During that time, I was forced to admit the fact that the very thing that I had such pride in my marriage was failing, and that I needed God more than ever, and leaning on myself was no longer an option. I couldn't put up a front or pretend everything was perfect, because it wasn't. There were so many times when any positive outcome uh, in my marriage was very, very um, impossible. For the first time, I felt God walking beside me, literally carrying me at times, and I started to believe in the hope that God could restore my marriage. I asked God many times to take away the pain and to fix what was broken in both Jeff and me, the sooner the better. But God knew that I needed to get to the point where I knew that I couldn't handle it on my own so that I would truly give it over to Him one of the most difficult forks in the road in my healing was the choice to forgive, which I had struggled with so many other times in the past. But this time that I knew that in order for my marriage to survive, that I had to truly let God come in and change my heart. Over those next several months, Jeff and I realized that we had to take some extreme measures in starting to live healthier lives. We invested a lot of time in marriage counseling which gave us a solid guidance in working through some very emotion-intense issues. We asked for accountability help and prayer support from our mentors and some, a few close friends who had been leading Christ-centered lives. And to celebrate what God had been doing in our lives, we had a recommitment ceremony in our backyard, which marked our new beginning. It's been two years already, and each day is another day to learn how to have a healthy marriage, to rebuild trust that was broken, and to live more authentically. The memories of the old me are fading, and there's lots of new memories to take their place. I know that I can love Jeff better now because my motivation has changed. I'm not just doing things out of obligation or because it's the right thing to do, but it's just one more way to show how, Jeff how much I love him. I've learned how to exchange the isolation that my pride and independence had brought in order to be vulnerable with Jeff and with other Christian women. Although it was hard to admit that my focus on good works was keeping me from a real relationship with God and with others, now I'm free. I'm free to learn how to be more generous with my time, with my relationships, with my resources, since I'm not taking tabs on what I owe someone or what someone else owes me anymore. I've learned how to let go of the need to try to fix Jeff's problems and to trust that God is going to work in him just as he's working in me. 
I still struggle with letting go and trusting God rather than just trying harder, but I've been, I'm investing more time than ever in my relationship with Him, and I have healthy boundaries and relationships set up so that it makes it easier to refocus and to get back on track with the healthier life that God has in store for me. I'm proud now of my marriage, not of what Jeff and I have done, but what God's done through us and what He's taught us through it all. Father God, I thank you today for who you are, and we thank you that you call us not to be perfect, not to have it all together, uh, but you call us to yourself. And so uh, today we want to answer that call, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. I want to say thanks again to those of you that were willing to share your story like that. Um, those are just a few snapshots of some of the proof that God is at work among us, and I know that there are many, many, many more stories, uh, both that are in the process of being able to be celebrated like those, as well as those are at, that are at a turning point of what God is, is about to do and what God is doing. When I think of new, the new year, I think typically of two things. I think of New Year's resolutions, and I think of getting a fresh start. And a lot of time those two things go hand in hand, but I've noticed that in some ways those two things can be very, very different. New Year's resolutions are notorious for failure, right? I mean, New Year's resolutions are, are notorious for failure. They're good things to break an old habit, to lose a few pounds, to exercise a little bit more, and so on. But resolutions are really just trying to modify behavior, uh, it's all about feeling bad about the way I've been doing something or something that's happened in my past and then trying to change my behavior in order to fix those things. They can be good things. Resolutions can be good things. But when I, th when I think about Jesus, when I think about how he loves us and how he wants us to relate to him, to do life with him, simply breaking a bad habit or modifying behavior just really misses the point a little bit, I think, on what, what his challenge to us is. And that's why I love the idea of a fresh start, because I really think that it's a better way of communicating the truth of what God wants for each one of us. When we take the opportunity to slow down a little bit, like we have this morning, to reflect on our own lives, to flip through some photo albums, uh, there's always a mix of emotions. You have the things that you want to celebrate, and then you have the things that you're just maybe not so proud of. The things that you're thankful for and then the things that you wish you could, you could change. And the great thing about the fact that Jesus, of who Jesus is and the fact that he wants to relate to us is that he doesn't just op offer us the opportunity to change our behavior in 2012. He's not just saying, yeah, you, you really messed up. Uh, it's time to turn things around and, and 2012 is your year to get your act together. Right? That's not really what... Jesus' challenge is. He's not really banking on New Year's resolutions, and that's a really, really good thing. What Jesus said and what he says to us is something more along the lines of, yep, I see those pictures. Yep, I know about your past. Yeah, I remember when those things happened. Yeah, you, you messed up on that one. And yeah, I know that that one didn't quite go like you had hoped it would. But he follows these things up. He follows those things up with something other than make some changes and get your act together. He follows it up by saying, you're loved. You are loved. I know about those things, and I still love you. I know about that. I know about what happened and I'm crazy about you, I would still die for you. How about you just put your trust in me? How about you allow me to give you a fresh start? And his fresh start is relational in nature, not simply behavioral. He gave himself up, like the Apostle Paul said, out of his love for us, not because we somehow deserved it. And he offers us a fresh start for that same reason. It's a fresh start that allows us to shine like stars or to be living proof 
of what God is doing, of how God is at work in our lives. I want to invite you this morning to take a few minutes to respond to what it is that God said to you. And we have some, uh, back in the green room today, we have some people that would be willing to, to pray for you. Maybe there was something uh, that, that you would like someone to pray for you about today. If you, at any point in the next few minutes, head out the back and then down the hallway to the green room, we have some people that would be willing to pray for you. But everybody else, I would really like to encourage you to reach into your program guide and pull out your response card. Go ahead and do that. Reach into your program guide, pull out your response card. If you, haven't, if you didn't pull out your response card at all in 2011, today's a great day to start doing that. Go ahead and pull that out. There are some blank lines on the back of that for you to record or to respond to what it is that God's been challenging you with. As you listen to the stories and the songs and the scripture that you heard today, maybe you felt God nudge you a little bit or whisper something to you. Maybe you felt a still small voice from him today. Or maybe you felt something more like a loud shout, a reminder, or God saying something to you very loud and clear. Or maybe today, instead of have just having some behavioral uh, modification or some New Year's resolution, with the, again, those are fine, but instead of simply promising God or yourself that you're going to try harder or do better this year, maybe today you need to just say, God, thank you that I'm loved by you. Would you please give me a fresh start with you today? There's a whole new year ahead for each one of us, and God is inviting us to a fresh start. And so as the worship team leads us today, I want to encourage you, don't skip the chance today to, 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 to ask God to give you that fresh start, because I really believe that he wants to do that for each one of us. Refuge for the poor, a shelter from the storm. This is our God. And he will wipe away your tears and return your wasted years. This is our God. So call upon his name. He is mighty to say this is our God. A father to the orphan, a healer to the broken. This is our God And He brings peace to our madness And comfort in our sadness This is our God So call upon His name He is mighty to save This is our God This is the one we have waited for This is the one we have waited for This is the one we have waited for Jesus, Lord and This is our God. A fountain for the thirsty, a lover for the lonely. This is our God. 
glory to the humble and cries for the faithful. This is our God. So call upon His name. He is mighty to save. This is our God. This is the one we have waited for. This is the one we have waited for. This is the one we have waited for. to Jesus this morning. You are the one, Lord. think of a better way to start off a new year than by celebrating that God is exactly who we need him to be. And we want to leave you this morning with a song to put in your hearts. So would you stand and sing with me? Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. to God, glory to God forever. Before the world was made, before you spoke it to be, you were the king of kings. Yeah, you were, yeah, you were, and now your reign is still enthroned above all things. Angels and saints cry out, we join them as we sing glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. We sing glory to God, glory to God. 
so I could praise your great and matchless name all my days, all my days. So let my whole life be a blazing offering, a life that shouts and sings the greatness of our Glory to God, glory to God forever. 